0: Coming to you from high in the hills of Oakland, California, this is Radio Free Cannabis, voice of the global cannabis freedom movement. I'm your host, Steve D'Angelo. Hello, friends, and welcome to Radio Free Cannabis, coming to you from High in the hills of Oakland, California, translated into 195 different languages, we are the voice of the global cannabis freedom movement. Thanks so much for your questions and comments. Please keep them coming in to us. Remember to subscribe to this podcast. Remember to tell all your friends about it. And please support the companies that support us, Harborside, Homegrown, and Liberty Clothing. Today, you're going to meet one of the most remarkable people that I've encountered in my entire cannabis journey, Sue Taylor. And Sue's special for a lot of reasons, but she plays a very special role in my life. Uh, I came into the cannabis freedom movement when I was very young, 12 years old, at my 1st smoking. 16 years old when I was starting to organize my first demonstrations. This is the early 1970s. And back then we had a concept that we called the generation gap. And the saying that kind of summed it up, don't trust anybody over 30. And that was because as we looked around at the world that we were set to inherit, we saw nuclear bombs that had just been dropped. We saw a poisoned food chain. We saw entrenched racism. We saw imbalanced gender relations. We saw suffocating cultural conformity. And We didn't see much in our elders that we wanted to emulate. They had forfeited their moral authority. So for most of my life, I I never looked to older people for help, for influence. But as life went on and and as life does, it it delivered some blows to me and I accumulated some baggage like we all do. And and that was kind of the state of things when I I met Sue. Uh, Sue and her family had come to me because they wanted advice. They wanted to open a dispensary. And I did my very best to to help them with that. But it didn't take me long, as I was going through the process of engaging with Sue, to find out that she was advising and counseling me at least as much, if not more, than I was advising and counseling her. Somehow she just always had these little pearls of wisdom that she dropped at just the right moment. And so, I started developing a, a new appreciation uh, to have somebody by your side that you can trust, who's walked down the path just a little bit in front of you. And uh, since then, um, Sue has continued to drop those, those pearls of, of wisdom on me. Um, she plays a very special role in my life. Uh, please welcome the executive director of Pharmacy Berkeley, the founder of Mama Sue, uh, which is a consumer goods-facing uh, uh, brand. And um, so you'll find out, Sue did get to open that dispensary eventually. It took a lot longer than any of us wanted, and, and we'll hear that story in a little bit. Sue, welcome to Radio Free Cannabis.
1: Thank you, Steve, for, um, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, I look forward to our conversations uh, thank you for your gracious words uh, about me. Uh, it's, been, you're right, it's been an incredible journey. And I can honestly say that you have been the most impactful person um, for me in this, in this journey, in this cannabis journey. And it has been incredible. Incredible.
0: Well, it's, it's a great honor to me to have been able to, to help, um, and, and you've certainly helped me a lot through, through the years. So, you grew up in a, in a world, in a place, in a time uh, where attitudes towards cannabis were very, very different than the attitudes towards cannabis that we have here in California today. Could you roll back, um, you know, way back to kind of like the earliest first time that you ever in your life remember hearing about cannabis? What was your world like and how did you hear about it and how did you feel about it?
1: Well, I, of course I'm a, a very different person uh, than that person of, of years ago. I didn't grow up um, with cannabis because it was called just marijuana then, the devil's weed. And um, it, my entire era, was based on uh, the fear of uh, of cannabis. Um, even having our family members being incarcerated for, for for selling cannabis or for being involved of it in any kind of way. Um, so, and we were, I, particularly, you know, Catholic school principal. We were particularly, uh, you know, we had the Dare program. We were particularly uh, against um, uh, the cannabis in any form or fashion because we were exposed uh, in college and in high school with uh, the Reefa Madness, and that's what stuck. Uh, and it's, it was also prevalent in our community, you know, in the African American community. Uh, it was looked down upon um, uh, the stigma behind it uh, was very humiliating if you even um, if you knew anybody who who was partaking in it so it was um, it 's just amazing that i 'm you know an advocate for cannabis today, considering where I came from it 's been a real journey an incredible journey.
0: Sue, um, uh, could, could you just place us in, in place and time now? Now, we're, when are we talking about? Just sort of trace us through your career a little bit. Where did you grow up and where did you go to school and how did you end up in that principal's job?
1: I, uh, I grew up as a child. I'm the, the seventh of 12 children. I have eight brothers and three sisters. Were born, I was born in Louisiana. We moved to San Mateo, California, when I was about 12 years old. And I went to uh, San Mateo High School uh, in, the, in 1965. And um, it, uh, uh, it was a different era uh, then. Uh, and then uh, moved to Oakland later. And uh, I have three sons. And, uh, my husband and I, we lived in the hills of Oakland, you know, very upper middle class and, uh, pillars of the community. And, um, you know, I never, cannabis wasn't a, a part of our lives. Now, uh, my eldest probably was dabbing in it, uh, uh, to us, uh, at that time, you know, he was, uh, smoking. I found out later, of course, in his adult life, but, um. It never was a part of of my of our life of my life in particular and um, uh, I was teacher first uh, and then I became a principal of uh, actually two schools uh in oakland and um, so it was uh, uh, it's been uh, um, it, it's just been a a, a journey steve to to see where I am today from where I've come from um, and to where I am uh, today because cannabis has really made me a better person uh, from working in the cannabis industry, uh, from all the people that I've met and from um, uh, just just the whole uh, journey me And I wasn't, Steve, I wasn't, um, I wasn't always, um, even when I was working for Harborside, uh, when you came to me and wanted me to do the uh, senior outreach, um, I, I took, took it on, uh, even not knowing what I was doing, still having some fear, still having some reservations because of those internal messages. Uh, you'll be judged. The stigma, the stigma behind it. Uh, you're nothing but a drug dealer. All of those voices were in my head as I was trying to, to, to figure it out about, about the cannabis. All of those messages from where I grew up, from the Reef of Madness and uh, the people of the community talking about the cannabis, all of that was, I was bombarded with it. And uh, it really wasn't uh, and how I got my, how I received the confidence and the the um, the knowledge and the bandwidth to move forward in the cannabis industry was when I would go out my job uh, uh, at Harborside was to go to where seniors go, where the administrators go, that uh, where the seniors live, the administrators, the directors and the seniors themselves, where they network uh, once a month, I would go there and, and uh, say, my name is Sue Taylor, and I work with seniors in medical cannabis. And um, at the break, and I would invite them to visit Harborside, a reputable cannabis dispensary. And uh, they would come, they would sign up, and I would, I would bring from 20 to 30 to 40 people each month and each time they were amazed. They said, we had no idea. We had no idea that uh, this is what a cannabis dispensary is. I said, well, they're all not like that. This is Harborside. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, this is unique. I said, I said, this is a place where they do their own testing. You weren't required back then to do testing, but you did it because you saw that there was a need. I said, this, the medicines that's come here, is tested. And um, uh, what really got me comfortable with talking about the cannabis freely and genuinely was the healing I saw when those people would come and uh, saw the products, try the products, come back and say it. They say it saved my life. I no longer have my, have, need my wheelchair anymore. I no longer need my cane. Uh, I'm traveling now. I'm back to work now. When I saw that progress, then I said, oh my God. You see, I did a lot of reading. Jamal had sent me all kinds of literature, but that's not what did it. What did it was seeing those people that I had brought into Harborside getting healed, being productive members of society going back into the workplace, being um, productive members in their family. That's where the change began in me to see this as a, as a medicine and help me to be more genuine in supporting it. And so um, that was my beginning. That was my beginning of my journey into the cannabis industry.
0: Well, thank you for all the kindness about Harborside and, and the audience should know, yes, Sue was the senior outreach coordinator at Harborside, uh, for many years. And there's an interesting story about how she got in that position. Maybe we'll hear it later in the episode, but, but there was an, another event that preceded that, right? Um, there was, there was a conversation that you had with Jamal. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Um, now, was that how he got me into the industry? <laughs> was it that, that part you're referring to?
0: The part I'm referring uh, to.
1: Yes. And, and let, me, let me preface it with this. Those of us who are in the industry, this is my belief and my knowingness. It really has nothing to do with us as people. We made a conscious decision before we even came onto this earth, that we could make a difference in this world. And I'm saying this to all of the people who are listening to this, and every last one of you who are in the cannabis industry. And I could say this because I'm a product of it too. You came because you knew you could make a difference in this world. That's when you, when you were still in the ethos, you came into this world and your vision and mission was to do cannabis. What's to do cannabis? And we came at the perfect time when the world needed it. And it was divinely inspired. Now, when my son Jamal called me uh, and said, Mom, now I've always wanted to have a holistic, uh, spiritual uh, uh, center. I've always, that was my goal. And so I got this call from my son, Jamal. I had, was living in Atlanta, Georgia. He was in California taking a class at Oaksterdam. And he says to me, Mom, he calls me back, Mom, I know how you can, um, you could have your spiritual center, you know, you know, all that yoga stuff you're talking about and that uh, meditation and you know, the Reiki and all of that. I said, oh, really? I said, how? And he said, oh, it would be funded by a cannabis dispensary. I said, a cannabis dispensary. I said, you talking about that marijuana stuff? Yes, Mom. Yes. I said, where are you getting this from? He said, I've been going to school at Osterdam. And uh, it's a healing medicine, Mom. It'll fit along, and, and your, your um, spiritual center would be supported by it. So I said, oh, okay. Uh-huh. Well, I wasn't buying it, right? I said, oh, my God, I didn't even got into drugs to myself. And so I said, well, send me all the information. Send me all the information that you have. And so uh, he did. And you guys, this is the honest to God's truth. I sat down after that phone call, and I took a deep breath, and I said, okay. I sent this boy to Catholic school all his life, sent him to college, and now he calls me to tell me he wants to sell weed. Where did I go wrong? Two weeks later, I had packed up two bags, a suitcase from Atlanta, took a flight here, coming here to save him from drugs, because that's what I saw the cannabis was. I came to save my child like any loving mother would do. I said, I haven't lost him to drugs uh, in all these years, and I'm certainly not going to lose him now. So I came to save him. And guess, guess who it was for? It was really for me. The universe used my son. The universe used my son to get, nobody else could have done it. Nobody else could have convinced me to get into this industry. No one, no one. But I came to save him. And what I learned in the process, that's how I was introduced to you, Steve. He knew all about you. And he started that. He was, the, he was the leader of it. But he knew it in the back of his head, but I did not. He had to push me. He took a back seat. He had to push me because he was an African-American male. And the road for cannabis for African-Americans it's rough. He would have been, he said, My God, they would have put me in jail. They would have incarcerated me. You know, you, so I, he pushed me. And I was the perfect person for it. What in the heck? Um, and so, that's why I know it was divinely inspired. Now, if anybody had told me 12 years ago, Sue, you will be a powerful advocate For cannabis. I would have said. Oh you've been smoking too much baby. But. The reality of it is. It's me. Working in the cannabis industry. I am better now. Than I've ever been. At 73 years old. And this cannabis journey. Has really enlightened my life. Through the people. I've met through all the healing I see, I've see i seen that this, this, um, this plant can do, I made a conscious decision that there's no way I can go over to the other side. I can make my transition in life if I knew I had a voice that could make a difference in the cannabis industry and not do it. I don't care how scared I got. I don't care how I was judged. I don't care how much ridicule I got. I wanted to be that voice for those who wanted alternative medicine. It's all about body, mind, and spirit. And that plant gives us that. It gives us the healing component in those three areas, in those three areas. And so it it just really, it went right in with my meditation. It went right into my yoga practices, into nutrition, to my of course my spirituality. They go hand in hand.
0: I know that um, that you know it's 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 in in recent years there's been a lot more conversation about the connection between cannabis and spirit, and many of our audience members feel that there's a spiritual dimension to to their cannabis use and. Could you talk a little bit, little bit more about that? Um, how how has how your evolution of spirit uh, uh, happened with cannabis?
1: Well, it gives me a more in-depth uh, view of the world uh, when I use the cannabis. Um, it helps me to put things in perspective uh, more clearly. And this doctor... I worked with really said it really well for me uh, one day he was diagnosed with cancer and uh, he said he said my life has changed because I never used the cannabis before and I, I started smoking it to help me deal with the cancer he said but what has happened what this plant has done for me he said And now you know, Steve, what what anyone focuses on, it expands. When a person is diagnosed with a debilitating ailment such as cancer, they focus on that cancer. When you use the cannabis, this is how he explained it to me. He said, I stopped focusing on the cancer and it allowed me to focus on my grandchildren, the world the flowers. I, I started going to their, their baseball games. It changed my perspective of the beauty that was happening all around me. And it kept the focus off the cancer. And the cancer went into re- remission. And it was because of that spiritual awareness that the plant brought as he, as he smoked it. And so, and I, get, I have many stories you know, like that, of the deep and spiritual awareness that it brings to people. and And it gives you a different perspective on life.
0: Certainly does. I, you know, my very first experience with cannabis was really a, a spiritual epiphany of sorts for me. I didn't realize it until much, much later. And, you know, I've, I've, over time, you know, sort of taking a look at the way that that people use cannabis and and often without even really realizing it, we use cannabis in a a spiritual kind of way. I think about this idea of the stoner epiphany, right? The moment where you sit down, maybe it's the end of the day. I mean, I know how it works for me as I sit down at the end of the day. I do a few dabs, I'm relaxing, and the movie of my day starts replaying. And Sometimes there's some scenes in that movie that I find myself not liking very much, like, you know, maybe something simple, like I just was running down a hallway really fast at the shop and, and blew by a new employee who wanted to say hello to me without even recognizing them. And, and I'll remember that in that moment, in that time, and I'll engage a dialogue with myself where I'll, I'll say, man, you know, that was really not very cool. And the other part of myself will say, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, how would you feel if somebody did that to you? Uh, well, I would feel pretty bad. I would feel ignored and and not appreciated. Well, are you going to do something about it? And then I pick up the phone and I do something. And and it's that quality of cannabis to lead us to our better selves, to help guide us to being the people that we really in our hearts most want to be, that I think is um. I think it's just a really sp- powerful uh, effect of cannabis, and I think that you know a lot of the great spiritual systems, really all the great spiritual systems that human beings have devised over the years, are intended to to do that—to lead us to being better able to be the people we really want to be. So um, that's something that I share share with you, Sue. Um, but a place where our path has has been really you know quite different. Um, has been our pathway through the industry you are one of the very few uh, black female uh, founders leaders of cannabis businesses really anywhere in the world legal cannabis businesses that is um, could you talk a, a little bit about about what that journey has been I've been with you on 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 a, on a, on a lot of it but what's that journey been like and and, and how do you think it's been impacted by your race and gender?
1: Well, it's been, um, it's been an incredible journey, uh, Steve, because the rules just, just weren't the same for me or for us because we're people of color. Um, it's been a, it was a long journey uh, because we had to make sure that we did it exactly right. We couldn't just throw open um, the way many of um, Jamal's and friends were, were, were doing um, uh, because the rules didn't didn't stand for us. Though we have friends who were white, Jamal did. I said, "What's taking you guys so long?" We opened up months ago, and uh, Jamal said, "Yeah, but uh, I can't do that. They want to arrest you. They'll put me in jail if, if we just opened up." And, uh, you know, I'll be incarcerated. And so um, uh, so that's where you come in at, Steve. It, um, because we had a model picture of how cannabis could be, um, we had to have it that way. We had to have it uh, legal, professional, with integrity. And uh, it took it took a while. It took um, almost ten years. This journey I'm 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 beginning to to uh, tire a little bit because that journey was such a struggle uh, for us uh, as we um, were going through the permitting process, looking for for uh, places to, to rent or uh, to buy. to to have a dispensary uh, dealing with the community uh, because they didn't always see cannabis as, you know, uh, as different today. Uh, The work we've done is incredible. It's it's lightened up, but it's been, um, it's taken a lot. I had to do a lot of lobbying to the city council, uh, uh, because we went for the Berkeley, uh, permit and, um, it was, and there were a lot of big players who went against us, who had a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of money, and so uh, we used our families' money. We all from our families, mostly, to get us started in this in, the, in this journey. Um, but and how you know how I would get through the doors when I wanted to talk to the city council uh, uh, members, or if I wanted to go to the commission on aging to talk about cannabis is something that I wanted to do to get their support. So when we were trying to open up this dispensary, I could get, get them in, in my corner. Um, and look, this was key for me. And I, and I share this journey with people who say, well, how, how'd you do it? I used, I used my, um, I never would mention the word, word cannabis, if that's what I wanted to talk to about these business people who, I wanted to get my foot in the door. I never would use the word cannabis. i said, they say, I said, well, can I please, uh, can I please speak to uh, Councilman Barry?' I said, and what is this about? I said, oh, this is Sue Taylor, Commission on Aging. Uh, and that's all I would say. Because if I would've said to talk about cannabis, I wouldn't have gotten anywhere. Then after I got in, I'd, I'd give all my credibility I said, "Oh yes, you know, I'm a commissioner on aging. I'm a former Catholic school principal, and da 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 da. I had to had to build myself up credibly, you know, to be credible. And uh, and I'm also African American, you know, and so uh uh, and then after I got their confidence, uh, to see that I wasn't a frightening person, that my heart was good and genuine, that I really cared about people, then I would bring up cannabis." And then they were more better to receive it. Does that make sense? And that's how I did it with each one of the city council members. And it took a lot of work to, um, to really uh, let them know who, who we were and uh, who I was in particular uh, uh, to, to, to get it, to, uh, to get thus far. But and go to a lot of city council meetings in a lot of cities, um, but you know what? Everything happened in perfect divine timing because in all that time that it took um, to get that done in that ten years, I was really being prepared um, and stritten my values about cannabis, my knowledge about cannabis, and we opened up at the perfect right time I, I had to get prepared for it
0: so all of that persistence at the end really did pay off and could you talk to us a little bit now about about pharmacy Berkeley about what your vision for it is um what you hope to accomplish with it
1: yes pharmacy Berkeley well first of all the the layout was modeled after Harborside um I wanted a, a beautiful place, and I, you've always said that. I wanted a place where people could come and feel comfortable and feel loved and feel welcomed. And uh, uh, we were able to, with our, uh, with our, our new partners, uh, Glasshouse Group, uh, they helped with that vision, of, of creating that vision. Of um, of the Harborside look, as I as I call it, because we wanted the community to feel comfortable, uh, to feel like they were, um, in a in a place where they could feel comfortable and be be proud to be. They were using cannabis. Let them step step into a Nordstrom like, uh, a cannabis dispensary, and uh, Pharmacy Berkeley is known for where they geared we're geared to the needs of seniors. And a big part of what we do there is to educate about the cannabis. And I have a community room. And uh, before the pandemic, I was giving classes there for uh, for seniors and administrators to uh, uh, to learn about the cannabis and um, for them to feel comfortable uh, about the cannabis. And so the the vision for Pharmacy Berkeley really is to educate and to, to have uh, quality medicines for people and for people to come to a welcome, loving place, a place that, that people care um, when you walk through the door. That, uh, and if we don't find the answers, if we don't know the answers, we'll find them out for you. We'll help you do that. If the Mama soup products don't work for you, there are many other products that will. And uh, just introduce them to different products uh, just for the healing uh, of the the human person, allowing a place um, where people could come to feel comfortable, especially in a cannabis dispensary, to help to eliminate the stigma you know that's why all the media comes and all that—they're amazed. Uh, but that's what—that's what we wanted. That's what we wanted for Pharmacy Berkeley: come and uh, and feel comfortable, um, and know that we care. We care.
0: Well, Sue, I think that you are the most amazing one-woman stigma-breaking army that I've ever seen in action. Um, and I will tell the audience uh, about the story about how you became the um, aging the senior coordinator for HarborSide. Um, I took a list shortly after we opened HarborSide. I took a look at a list of senior medical complaints, and the list read basically identical to a list of things that cannabis was good for, um, uh, and uh, and I immediately realized in that moment that. We needed to do something to outreach to the senior community and I was well-intentioned but maybe just a little bit silly and wet behind the ears because I went out I figured out where the next senior health fair was going to be and I grabbed up a bunch of my young staff and we put up a booth at the health fair and we had t-shirts and we had paraphernalia and we had leaflets and not one of those seniors would stop by our booth and talk to us they all just kept walking. And so after a little while, I I sort of got it. I was like, right, they're three times as old as the people who are in this booth. They're not really interested in being told uh, and educated um, by people that are the age of their grandchildren. And that's when I reached out to Sue um, and, uh, and asked her to step into that role so that she could be the trusted messenger. And Sue just did a spectacular job at that, um, uh, getting herself onto the aging commission of Alameda County, and then using that position to basically kick open the doors of every senior center, uh, for miles and miles around. They used to be closed to cannabis these days, several buses per week roll up at Harborside and other dispensaries so that seniors can get this good natural medicine. So, um, your story is 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 so remarkable. Your whole life story and your trajectory with cannabis. Um, in our audience, we have a, a global audience, and you know some of our audience are in pretty difficult situations where they're living deep in prohibition, where maybe they need to hide their cannabis use from from the people that are around them, from their family. Um, they may be discriminated against, be an oppressive. Uh, situations because of their gender or the color of their skin, uh, or the tribe that they belong to. You've made a success of yourself coming out of you know marginalized community. What advice do you have for people from marginalized communities who are looking at the cannabis industry as a way to, to to earn a livelihood that's that's ethical and decent? What words of advice do you have?
1: not it's just not to be afraid because you'll always be divinely guided and with the cannabis if to help to you you look at the alternatives look at the alternatives that's that's what that's what i did it's either the the pharmaceutical approach to healthcare are an alternative approach such as, as cannabis. Your your body, cannabis is friendly and easy to the body. There are generally almost no side effects versus appeal. If you take appeal that's foreign to your to your to your body. So if you know that for health reasons, if you ha- if you're using it for health, for sure, for sure, don't, you, you have to believe in yourself and what you're doing and know what is, what is right for you. Stand true to who you are and know what's best for your body at all times. I know it's hard because I've dealt with the stigma, I've, I've dealt with the prejudice, all of that. But one thing that got me through is that I was true to what I believed and who I am. And that, and so I was able to move forward with being, with that concept and with that, um, with that belief. So it, I've had many people uh, say to me, professionals mostly, mostly professional people, I, I I yes I've been using the canvas for a long time, but I'm afraid I don't to let anybody know because I don't I don't want to be judged. And uh, I say, but you had cancer. You're trying to save your life, and you're still hiding it. Yes, because it's so pressure. Some people don't want to let. They're living in the house with their family, and they still don't even share it with their family. And stay true to who you are, and and what you believe. And know your body. And know your body. And it's, it shouldn't be kept a secret. Because the more you you let it out, you never know who you might touch. Somebody might be going through the same thing, have the same illness, or the same anxiety, whatever. And once they say, well, look at, look at Sue. You know, she used cannabis. Uh, you know, she's not a... a Uh, A stoner on the corner, you know, it'll help change your mind, help change a person's mind who who really need it. So it begins with you, you know, be true to who you are and stand for that and stand proudly.
0: More pearls of wisdom from Mama Sue. Sue, could you just uh, tell us as we're moving into the end of our time together here, um, any other projects you've got going on we should know about and how can people stay in touch with you and Pharmacy and Mama Sue Goods?
1: Yes. Uh, well, I'm going to be doing many um, uh, podcasts like this and Zoom, Zoom calls with, edu- uh, with educational components. Um, I plan to put that in action. Um, and I do have, uh, and I am promoting, this is another thing Pharmacy Berkeley and the Glasshouse Group has done for me. I've never been able to develop my own products. And I have three uh, three branded products: sleep formula, the relief, the pain relief, and the extra strength. And those were I worked with um, the Glasshouse Group scientists and um, uh, cultivators uh, for these formulas because most, especially seniors, most people go to cannabis for sleep or. Or, uh for lack of sleep and pain. So it's three tentures that did deal with sleep and pain and they're formulated for, for that reason. And so I'm able, and we only started with three, uh, to see how that goes. And they only been out, I think, uh, since February about February, maybe a little after that, but, um, uh that's that's remarkable for me. I really wanted that. Uh I can I in, and I'm able to recommend it because it, it works. Uh but they were able to help me put that into fruition. That's been a long time dream of mine is to do that and I hope to have other pro- I w- not hope, I will have other products. Uh some rubs and um uh and uh, flour and, and all of that will be incorporated into it, into it later. And I'm looking forward to that because one, we, we're dealing, what's interesting about this plant is that it's no one pat way for any one person. What might work for me might not work for Steve uh, or it might not work for you. So in a sense, it, it might be trial and error. And this is one thing I, I want you all to know if one thing don't work, if the mamasu products don't work, there are many others that will. So that's what the beauty of this is. there, We had an incredible time in our life where there are many, many, many products, many, many um, ways to ingest uh, the cannabis. It's something for everybody. It's something for everybody. And so... Um, uh, it's just a, a good time, a happy time to be alive, especially in the cannabis industry, because it's all about alternative m- medicines. Look, I, I do it all. I do acupuncture. I do uh, yoga. Uh, I meditate. You, you have to. You have to do all parts of it uh, of of your body. You you nourish yourself spiritually. You know you you, you hear the guidance. And know this, you're divinely guided at all times, regardless of appearances, but you have to quieten your body and you quieten your mind so you could get those clues, get those nudges of where to go, what to do next. And it's all done with ease and grace. You don't push, push, push and make nothing happen. You allow it to happen. You allow it. You go with ease and grace and watch it comes to you. It's as easy and as simple as that.
0: Thank you, Mama Sue, for those words of wisdom. And as we wrap up this episode of Radio Free Cannabis, I want to key in on one of the things that Sue said when I asked her what advice she had for marginalized people, oppressed people who are looking to cannabis as a source of hope. And she said, don't be afraid listen to your inner voice be confident be true to yourself that's not always easy it's very very difficult in some places and sometimes you have to risk your life to be true to yourself and i look at sue's life i see this remarkable profile in courage a young woman who grew up right in the depths of the most ignorant time and place for cannabis, who came to a pinnacle of success in the African American community, who was a principal, who ended up living in the Oakland Hills, who raised a successful family. And then, against all of that ingrained stigma and inculturation, when her son, when her beloved son brought her the truth about cannabis, Took her a little while, took her a few weeks, but she opened up her heart. She listened to the real truth and then she incorporated it into her life and she became one of the real powerhouses of our movement. That is what is possible. That's possible for each and every one of you that are out there that are listening to this podcast, wherever you are, whatever your race, whatever your religion, whatever status you occupy in society, whatever your educational level, there are millions of us, hundreds of millions of us all around the world. We have the same lessons, we have the same value system, and we have the same goal. The healing of the nations, the healing of the planet, and the healing of ourselves. And we will all together accomplish these goals. Until next time, stay strong, be safe, be free.